but they have made this commitment, that promise to their kids, to their family, to themselves, that they're going to navigate life a lot differently because they might have lost loved ones. And they recognize life is so short that I have been putting so much time and energy into this job, into this career, that I lost focus on developing myself, my self-care, my mental wellness. I lost focus on my family. I lost focus on these different things and I will not let that happen again. But then they go into that workplace and us as leaders are sitting there saying, we expect you to work those extra two hours. We expect you to work those extra four hours. We expect you to do X, Y, and Z. We expect you to come in six, I mean, five days a week. And they're like, no, we don't want that. Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Yeah, that does. I mean, I'm glad glad you got me there because that's that's good. So it was accurate. Like, what's your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um... I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. This is good. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And on today's episode, I want to talk about the shift that has happened with people that has resulted in less people returning to work. What can you do as a leader, CEO, an organization to make your company attractive, to make people want to come back and work for you? There are more individuals wanting to be entrepreneurs, business owners that are fine with the gig economy and are not attracted to working for companies and organizations. So how is that affecting you? How is that affecting organizations and companies? Maybe you're a CEO listening. What can you start to do to prepare yourself for the shifts and changes? Or maybe you're someone that's listening and you're like, you know what? I don't know if I want to be a leader in that space anymore. So let's talk about the shifts and the changes that are happening from the generation of the past and how they saw success and the generation of the future. So as always, get your notepad, your note-taking materials, and let's get into today's message. People not only have have figured out what they need, they also have figured out that all the things that y'all are telling me that I need to be successful, air quote successful, or to be air quote, uh, you know, uh, not even successful, but just air quotes good. I don't need all what you told me. I just spent a year and a half in my house still eating. And I figured out I exactly, I now know what I need to survive, right? And to be good, right? And what people are now saying is the gig economy is out there. I can I can work differently. It's not that people don't want to work here. It is really that people do not want to work in the same old school paradigm that generations before them 
have have been inclined to do because either they didn't know that they had the option not to or no or that the the situation and the circumstances were different work has been democratized in a way that is very different so you can do work from your home you can have a couple of jobs you don't have to go and punch a time clock sit in a space and do that one thing over and over while somebody watches you to make sure that you don't get up and move and go to the bathroom and have a cigarette break and all of that and then punch out and then go home and then come back the next day. It is not that people do not want to work. It is that people do not want to work in an old paradigm that does not fit their life today. So that clip that you heard was from the Karen Hunter show. And the specific gentleman that was speaking was Drew McCaskill, who is just a regular on the show. We pretty much can say that he's on the show as well, but that conversation really resonated with me. And I wanted to have a conversation with you all based off of the messaging on it as we prepare and really start recognizing how we need to go about leading as we go back into the workplace. And we haven't stopped leading regardless because, again, just because I'm working from home doesn't mean that my leadership has stopped. But again, we're kind of shifting back into a new normal. People are starting to make another adjustment because, again, things are opening back up. People don't have to wear masks anymore. There are a lot more people, again, doing a whole nother shift again. And there's been this whole conversation about worker shortages and individuals having this conversation about why individuals aren't going back to the workplace and what is going on. And it's quite interesting listening to this debate because you hear on one side and please, you know, this is not a political podcast at all, but um, it's just interesting hearing the different dynamics because you've heard the perspective of, well, you know, um, you definitely have individuals who recognize that during COVID, hey, I didn't realize that I didn't need this, you know, job or they redefine success and they're like, you know what? I don't need to go back to work. I've decided I'm going to stay home. I'm going to, you know, maybe uh, um, do school from home. I'm going to start my business and I'm going to focus on that. Then you have another perspective of individuals who are saying, hey, there's a worker shortages and there are individuals out there that, you know, are getting all these benefits from the government and they don't want to go back to work because of the benefits. So you have that perspective. And then you have, you know, a whole nother perspective that's just like, you know what, um, you know, this is how I want to just navigate my career. I want to go about it differently because of this revelation I received or this revelation I received. And you just have so many different people that have so many different perspectives as why there's a worker shortage, shortage, excuse me, or why um, companies look the way they look or why this is happening or why that is happening. And I don't really know if there's a wrong or a right answer. But what I do know, leaders, what I do know is that we do need to pay attention to how if we are leading within an organization, if we're business owners, one lesson that we can definitely learn in this process is definitely the past 15, 16 months, almost couple years has really shook up and allowed people to look at their career and lives a lot differently. And I loved what Drew just said because it's like, you know what? Success for a lot of people looks different. And that is going to trickle into how we lead. People are looking at 
they're looking at their careers. They're looking at their how they're going to navigate their future and they're looking at it as as it needs to be tied to purpose. There are people that are saying, you know what? I didn't recognize how much time I was not spending with my family. I didn't recognize how much time went by and I wasn't communicating effectively with my spouse. I didn't recognize how much time I didn't spend with myself, which affected my mental wellness or affected my personal development or my development of just self. And, um, you know, maybe I just recognized I needed to go back to school and this allowed me to have time, whatever it is. People just started to look at life a lot differently. So now that things are like kind of flowing back to a quote unquote another new norm, I don't even know if there's it's like consistent new normals that we're having to create. It's like I, I I challenged in another podcast that now that we're going back into the workplace, what are you going to do to make sure that you maintain and keep those same promises you made to your spouse that, you know what, I'm going to make sure that we still communicate effectively. I'm going to make sure that, or with your children, you made a promise with, hey, I'm going to make sure I make more time with you because we were forced to spend more time with family, right? I won't even say forced like in a negative way, because of course we want to spend time with family, but we were in these spaces with, with each other and we had to be there where before we would get up, you know, we go to work eight hours or whatever, come home and you're really only spending a few hours. And we were in these bubbles with one another for so long. And there was so much development and growth and recommitments that happened. Some relationships ended, some careers ended, some people lost their jobs, some people found new jobs, just so many different redirections happened. And now we're going back into what things used to be like, but with a whole new mindset. And as leaders, we have to recognize that. And we can't go back into the workplace with the same old, with, the, with an old mindset. I mean, think about it. If what we just heard in that clip is a fact, which it really is, you have individuals say, you know what? I know what I, success looks differently to me now. They go back into the workplace. They're now looking for purpose. They're now looking for development. They're really looking for a level of alignment with their workspace. They're not going to be working that extra six to eight hours they were working before. They're not going to be maybe not saying they're not going to put in as much effort as before, but they have made this commitment, that promise to their kids, to their family, to themselves, that they're going to navigate life a lot differently because they might have lost loved ones and they recognize life is so short that I have been putting so much time and energy into this job, into this career, that I lost focus on developing myself, my self-care, my mental wellness. I lost focus on my family. I lost focus on these different things, and I will not let that happen again. But then they go into that workplace, and us as leaders are sitting there saying, we expect you to work those extra two hours. We expect you to work those extra four hours. We expect you to do X, Y, and Z. We expect you to come in six, I mean, five days a week. And they're like, no, we don't want that. Now, of course, the way you handle your business, the way you handle your organization, by no means am I saying that you should not handle it that way. But we truly need to start paying attention to 
the needs and the voices of our team members. Because I always say, you guys hear this over and over again, they're the ones pushing our mission and vision. So if they were able to thrive during COVID, teleworking, this is something that is going to help them keep that commitment to their family. What is wrong with you maintaining that, that teleworking schedule? Even if it means, hey, we're going to just come in twice a week. And I know you guys might be like, man, this is a stretch. This is not what I was expecting in this conversation. But really think about it. Because there are a lot of people who have decided not to go back to the workplace because of those promises and those recommitments and the new mindset. And regardless of where you are or what side of the spectrum or the idea or the the reasoning you think that people aren't going back to work. And again, you know, you know, there's all these talks about the reasons why, again, there's a labor shortage. But regardless if it's benefits related or so on and all these, you know, um, these benefits we've been able to get and so on. But regardless of what. What are you going to do to make your organization and your company attractive to make people want to go back to work for you? What were you doing before to make people say, you know what, I I, I would I quit, quit, quit working for Aisha. I like it there. They treat me good. They've been they've been supportive throughout this whole experience with the past, you know, year and some change in covid. They've supported me. They've checked in with me. When I lost my parent, when I lost this person, when I had childcare issues, when I, my kids had to uh, navigate school, this and that, they were supportive. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sticking around. Or was it another experience? And now that things are opening back up and now that companies have budgets and now they're hiring again, you're surprised that they put in their two weeks notice and now they're transitioning elsewhere because that company is more supportive. And that is happening too. I had that conversation with a friend recently who said that, man, since we've been back in the office, people have been leaving left and right. And I mentioned this on another podcast, another episode. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And I was like, why? She's just like, well, you know, companies have budgets now. They're hiring again. So that tells you that, you know, they were just looking for an opportunity to to bounce, to leave, to resign. So what what kind of relationships, how were the relationships being nurtured? How were those team members being nurtured during that downtime or maybe even before? Where as soon as an opportunity came up that for them to leave, they left. So while it's important to understand the trends of what's going on in the world and why there might be shortages or why things are happening in, um, you know, based off of what we're seeing on the news and within the world, it is important to track that. What are you doing to pay attention to the trends and the things that are happening right in your backyard, right in your organization, right in your department, right in your business, right in your company? Because your team members are looking at the world, their lives, their careers a lot differently. Even for us as leaders, 
we're looking at things a lot differently. We are. And even ask yourself, how did this experience change you? What did it make you change? What did it make you say, you know what, I won't do this or I won't do that? So if that experience or that mindset shift happened with you, it's happening with our team members as well. And we can't not recognize that. So it's so important that we have to remind ourselves and recognize that we have to consistently check in or have those checkpoints where we are identifying, okay, have I plugged in and really started to listen to the needs of my team members? You might have already noticed that there has been a trend in your organization where people haven't returned or people have been leaving. Why? What has been working and what has not? How can you remedy that now? And for you individuals out there that have businesses that are looking to attract team members and employees, what is going to make your company attractive? Because people are looking for organizations that are going about things a lot differently and businesses that are going about things differently. They're paying attention to how you treat them personally and how you navigate social justice. They're looking at how you navigate, oh, if I need to take off because, you know, I have an emergency with my family or if I if I need some vacation time or off days or if, you know, are you going to be the company that calls me or the leader that calls me after a certain time of the day where you know this is my time, I'm off work and this is my time with my family. They're going to be paying attention to that. And I'm not going to say everybody has made these commitments, but I want you to really function based off of, man, what kind of commitments, recommitments did my team members make to themselves, to their families that has shaped their mindset and how they're going to navigate their career moving forward? And of course, it's not our responsibility to, you know, again, manage your company, your organization, your department, how you want to. But again, the shape of how people look at things are different. And it's going to be up to you to determine if you're going to start to shift and recognize that or just go about doing things the way it was done before. But essentially what you're going to see happen is you might find yourself having a retention issue. You might find yourself having a lot more run-ins with issues because you aren't flowing with and you're not recognizing these shifts that are happening. So if your team members have made these recommitments... What kind of adjustments and things can you start to make? 
what kind of adjustments can you start to recognize or maybe some resources you can start to allocate? What can you just start doing? And again, it does not have to even be anything major. Even when I wrote my book, so I wrote my book about, you know, retention secrets. And a lot of the things I put in that book were so simple, not anything that's going to cost a lot of money, but simple adjustments that companies can make, simple ones that they can make to retain more members, some more team members. Simple adjustments in family time and, you know, the just the requests that people were asking for weren't even anything that was outlandish or that would co- cost companies millions of dollars. They were really simple adjustments. And some companies weren't really to ma- willing to make it. But the ones that were, were the ones that were the most successful, the ones that people were gravitating, gravitating towards. And of course, as we know that happy team members produce more results, high performance, and high performance results to what? More production, more production results to more dollars. More dollars means that your company continues to run. Your, your, your company continues to run longer. Now it's the industry leader. It's just a trickle effect. And it all starts with you ensuring that you can meet your team members' need. And please know that you don't necessarily need to have everything in the world, but just the little things. So that's what we're going to talk about on the other side of this. Things that you can start doing to start asking yourself, okay, again, you might be a CEO of an organization. Maybe you have influence in some kind of way. And you can say, okay, these are some things that maybe we can consider And we can bring on so we can start to make our organization, our company more attractive. Even again, as a business owner, I always say, I'm sure this business ownership thing isn't just a hobby. If you can be the next Mark Zuckerberg, you would be that. So these are things you want to like forecast for and start thinking about. Or even as you're building your team and you're thinking about retention, these are some things to like, again, start to think about and consider. What am I doing to start considering this other perspective and these recommitments that my team members are coming in with, their mindsets have shifted. They're looking for organizations that value family, that value social justice, or they value, you know, um, they want to see that you care about them personally, about developing them, helping them grow. They want to see that. So it's looking and ensuring and just finding out, okay, what kind of things can I do, invest in, allocate resources to, so now I can support that team member and that can still go towards this new need that they have or this new mindset, this new drive that they have. They're looking for purpose and drive. So that means that they're looking for a company, an organization, a team that they can work for that is going to help them get there. And if they can't help them get there, they're going to go somewhere that will. All those things are important. So start to really consider that. So we're going to talk about that on the other side of this. So hang on. Right, I got another clip that I want you guys to check out. Hang on, and we're going to talk about some strategies and some things we can start thinking about as, again, CEOs, leaders, so we can make sure that we are attracting, retaining, and really start considering the future of how we're going to lead and be those leaders in those industries. 
Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Leaders set trends, five employee retention secrets you never knew. Leaders, you have to recognize to decrease the number of team members departing your organization and companies. You not only have to sharpen your leadership skills, but you also have to create and usher in innovative ways for an improved culture and climate. So this book that I wrote is going to allow you to understand and identify the five specific areas you need to know to transform the workplace through improved communication, collaboration, reduced conflict, and most importantly, the things that's going to allow you to become a highly competitive brand, business, or company. So if you want to get more information, go to my page and go grab a copy now. AishaThomas.org backslash shop. Again, AishaThomas.org backslash shop. And look for the book, Leaders Set Trends, Five Employee Retention Secrets You Never Knew. Again, that's AishaThomas.org backslash shop. And he talked about the fact that we are now going to be, that we are slowly but surely being forced into a dignity economy, a human dignity economy. And he said that companies are going to, companies and governments are going to have to, have to rethink how they impact human dignity, how they put a value on it, because actual workers and actual customers are going to demand it. It may not happen organically, or because somebody wakes up one day and say, this is what is, this is what's good for the world. I want to be on the right side of history. It's going to happen because employees and customers recognizing the value that they bring to this capitalist enterprise that we have all um, engaged in in some way, shape or form are going to say, what would, I wonder what would happen if the employees and the customers were on the same page and the corporations were forced into reciprocity. I've been preaching this whole sermon about that company that consumers needed to man more reciprocal relationships with the companies that they buy products from and that they consume these companies' media. What I have not did not even see in the five years that I was that I was standing on the stump preaching that sermon was that imagine if the consumers and the employees were on the same page there would be no choice but for the corporations and the companies to then begin to have more reciprocal relationships not only with the well, not only with their employees but with their customers as well I mean, that only makes sense the paradigm so what you guys heard was another clip and you heard about human dignity, right? You know, having an economy that focuses on human dignity. And when you're thinking about human dignity, you're thinking about things like, you know, a care for family, right? Enjoying the most meaningful moments of family, um, pursuing potential and purpose. It's, it's a lot of those things that I just mentioned about the importance of really considering those other areas, like things that people hold as a special value to them, things that people think is important. And again, like I was mentioning on the first part of the message is being in the bubble and being in 
that space where COVID kind of left us, it just kind of grounded a lot of people to kind of get reconnected to what do I value? What do I think is important? So when now I go back into the workplace, I'm still going to lead with that. And I want to make sure that nothing shakes up those commitments that I made, shakes up that focus, that refocus that I needed because I lost that. I wasn't focused on that. I lost all that behind work. I had family pass away. There were so many things happening in the world. You know, there were conversations about race. There were conversations about, you know, uh, humanity and coming together and navigating equity and justice and inequities and, you know, all those different conversations that were happening. And for people, it's important that they align themselves to companies and organizations that focus on human dignity. And it's, it's so powerful because on the other side, they added the customer aspect to it as well. And I have these conversations in a lot of the business development workshops that I had have where we talk about the future of business and what the future of the customer looks like. So, of course, they might be attracting one type of customer, but if you know the Gen Zers will at some point, you want to be you want to be a business of the future, Gen Zers would eventually be your customers. What is important to them right now? Okay, so are you speaking their language? Are you going to the channels that they go to to, you know, learn about different products and services? What's important to them? Is it important to your company? If it's not, you might not be as attractive because now even customers and customers are looking for that as well. And we know the beauty of it is a lot of times if you support customers effectively, those same customers can end up being employees. It's happened a lot of times. You've heard the stories. I definitely have heard the stories of people working for Google or working for Apple. They've used Apple products. They think Apple is cool, funky. They love what they're all about. And now people start working for Apple. And they're like, <laughs> I mean, and they just were Apple users and just thought the product was cool. They learned that they can get a job at the company. And they love what Apple stood. I mean, they, they love their stance about certain things. I mean, I've heard those stories. Nike, the same thing. Nike has stood proud towards a lot of like social justice things. And they have just really found a way to stay connected to the pulse of the culture and the shifting tides of the generations. So people have been attracted to go work for them. And although they might have their own inner internal things that they're working through to make sure that they have representations representation within those same customers and clients, if you're satisfying them on one end, those same people within that community will also want to be employed by those same companies. So it's like a full circle thing. So I loved how that piece of that conversation was put in there about human dignity, excuse me, human dignity, touching both sides, the employee, as well as the consumer, the customer. And now we're talking about reciprocity. 
hey, this is what we need. This is what we know we, we, there's a level of value that we're bringing. And this is what we need. And now it's like, okay, corporations, what are you going to do to make sure we, we, you know, we, we, there has to be a level of reciprocity going on. So this idea of human dignity, this idea of really ensuring that companies and organizations and even leaders, because remember, I always say individuals don't typically quit the organization, they typically quit the leader. And if the leader, us, we're the first interactions, we're the ones that really have influence on that person leaving an organization or a company, we hold a special key to ensuring that people have a great experience or we're just really if if a company or an organization does have this embedded in their culture and they value those things we have to make sure that we are also living it practicing what they preach making sure we're checking ourselves and saying okay are we representing the company effectively because again when somebody leaves and we've heard it plenty of times They'll say, I hate that company. I despise that company. I left that company versus it was Miss Thomas that I didn't like. It was Mr. Thompson, Mr. Gray. They'll talk bad about the company versus the leader that was probably was the one that turned them off from that company. And some do. Please trust me, some do. Because if you get to the nitty and gritty of it, it's leadership. It's someone in their leadership. But essentially, we also have to check ourselves and ask ourselves, hey, we know this is what the company stands for, but sometimes people work in departments and they work with leaders who don't embody it. And not saying that we're perfect, but again, we have to make sure that we are doing our part to make our companies, our organizations, our departments attractive and make people want to stay there. And we hold a special key as leaders. So what are some things that we can start doing? And I hope you guys are taking good notes. I hope this conversation is benefiting you. And these are some things you probably have heard of, heard of before. But again, the first thing, the first thing you need to do, right, if you're not doing it already, is of course, build those relationships with your team members. And I'm not saying get into their business right away, because for some of you all out there, you might have not even taken time to build relationships with your team members. When I've had a lot of conversations in regards to diversity, equity and inclusion, there's some individuals that will it'll be their first time interacting with that team member that is from that different background, race and ethnicity. And they'll ask them one of those hard questions. And that person is looking at them like we've never even had a conversation before and now you expect me to be to educate you in this area where we've never even had any type of in-depth conversation it doesn't work like that so what kind of relationship building activities are you creating to get to know your team members in some kind of way where they can you can build a level of rapport or if you have a staff of leaders, what are you doing to make sure that they have a relationship building system process so they can build relationships with their team members? Because by doing that, you can start to hear and be in those spaces to hear what their needs are. What are they talking about? 
You'll hear conversations about their families, about their children, about the school issues that they're having, about, you know, whatever it is, gas price. You know, when we had the little whole gas issue recently, they're talking about the gas prices went up and there was a gas shortage. All those little conversations. When you're in the midst of your team members and you built those relationships, you can hear what their complaints are, their issues are, what's happening in their real lives, what's important to them. And now you can start to identify what they value, what's important to them. But if you're just in your office all day, and the only time you connect and talk with them is when it's time for a evaluation or feedback, or maybe it's just to communicate some type of messaging that came from higher leadership or some new product rollout, then you're falling short. But once you get plugged in, you can start to hear what they value and hear these conversations. And you might not be able to connect with everybody, but it might just be, again, a couple couple of those relationships that you need or just being plugged in and you start to hear what those needs are. And now you can take that data and that information and use that to, again, connect and also build upon those relationships and also start hearing, hey, what are your needs? And also don't ever hesitate to ask those questions when you do sit down with them. Hey, maybe you are guys are going back in once a week or whatever. Sit down with everybody and say, hey, what do you need? Are there any resources? Do you have the support you need? How can I help you? How can I support you? In my master's program, we had did an exercise and we were um, we were talking about um, there was an interview process that happened where um, there was a consultant that asked the leadership, hey, why do you think you have a retention issue? So they thought it was, and it was specifically with um, team members that were younger, right? So they, you know, assumed that it was because they were young in age, but they also think it was because of locality and all these different things and also because of compensation. So they made all these adjustments to help in those areas, but they still saw a retention issue. But when they, the consultant finally interviewed the team members, it was because they were underutilized. They didn't have clear instruction and assignment within a year of them getting there. They weren't getting effective feedback. They weren't getting effective development. So it had nothing to do with what leadership saw. And all it took was a interview by a consultant, an external consultant, a conversation revealed the key to their retention issue. Why could not the why wasn't those first line leaders, those managers, those team members, why could not why couldn't they have that same conversation? Sometimes we don't know it all, and that's okay. And it's just by having a simple conversation. And it all can be revealed. All could be revealed. So make sure you're doing that. Of course, another thing, invest more in employee education, training, and engagement programs. You might not find it's an invest, a good investment, but again, just like I broke down before, if we are investing in the education, their training, their development, which again is very important for these new crop of leaders, again, millennials, Gen Zers, these new team members that are coming in, we have to make sure that we're doing that. So investing in that, again, is going to help benefit retention. It's going to get people excited. 
It's going to get people that's going to, hey, you might have somebody that reaches out and says, hey, I'm considering working at your company. What is your experience like? Now you have employee advocates that are talking about how great their experience are working for your company. They have sites now where people can leave reviews about your company. And now you have employee advocates just because you've taken time to invest in their development, their training, their engagement, you're talking to them, communicating with them. They're being developed to prepare them for the next level of the next tier. So recommendations are going to happen just by you simply investing in their training and their development and engaging with them on a regular basis. So make sure that you're doing things like that. Um, consider some type of, uh, of referral programs. There are a lot of great and talented or a lot of great organizations externally that you can um, connect with that you might be able to um, great, get some great talent, um, you know, get some uh, uh, some great programs in, in regards to apprenticeship. I can't even say the word, right? Apprenticeship. <laughs> I can't say it. You know what? I should edit this out, but I'm not, right? Apprentice, right? Creating internships. I'll just say internships. All right. But I was going to say apprentice. I'm not going to edit it out, okay? You guys can laugh at me for not being able to say it, but I'm not going to edit it out, okay? Because I'm a real person. And, um, you know, you, someone needs a little chuckle, all right? But maybe you can have like an apprentice program. <laughs> You can have some type of internship program that you can create with these company, with these organizations out there um, and really start connecting with these other schools out there and start to um, bring in some great talent from the outside. But again, when you do bring these individuals in, make sure that you're getting feedback. Maybe their internship, maybe they're going to work with you for a year. They can get experience in your HR department or whatever, but make sure you're collecting feedback from them. Maybe you just have them do like a three-month or a 90-day rotation. Get feedback and ask, okay, what was your experience like these past 90 days? And they might be able to give you some insight as to, hey, would you, would you apply to work here? Like, what was it that you enjoyed here? How was the leaders? Like, what was your experience like working here? And they might be able to give you some insight that you didn't recognize. Also, make sure that you look at your benefit program. Things in regards to um, family care, um, things that uh, relates to medical, all those different things are extremely important. Time off, like those, those things such as that. I mean, the military, I mean, they have some great things like family day. So for instance, we just have Memorial Day. So the Friday before Memorial Day, that's considered a family day. So we end up having a four-day weekend. Oh, we love those. Simple things like that. Pretty much a free day off. That's already, you know, mandated every year. We know that on these days, we have that Friday off, an additional day with our family. Those simple things can boost morale. Hey, you know, I remember working for an organization and every Friday they let us off at one o'clock. That did some good. I mentioned teleworking. Do you really have to go back in the office every day? How much money is it saving you by not having everybody back in the office? I'm sure your light bill, your water bill, all those bills have gone down by not having people in the office. But if things have been working, 
while individuals have been teleworking and that's benefiting them and that's helping them maintain that balance with their family and so on, consider maintaining that. Find a healthy balance that works for you and them. So what kind of incentives and benefits can you create? Look at your pay structure as well. Is it time for you to make some, you know, raise some pay? Is there a uh, uh, some some equity issues, right? Are there some imbalances? You know, I, I have a big, I, we have talked about that plenty of times, but when we're considering pay gaps, look at that in all areas and identify, okay, is there, is there some, some imbalances in some areas that we need to work on? Is there diversity in my company? Is the languaging, excuse me, is the language, the messaging that's out there, is it attractive to a diverse group? What does my website communicate? What does it say? Let's look at our value statement. Let's look at just again, what, what we're communicating without communicating. If someone goes to my website, what does it say about me without saying it, saying it about me? Because, I mean, you can sometimes go somewhere and it's, I mean, that website can say a lot. It just speaks. So making those tweaks and adjustments. Another thing is looking at your processes. Because, again, I talked about asking your team members what exactly their pain points are. But you could be investing in some new systems, some new processes, things that you can automate that could really help eliminate a lot of the pain points that your team members are having. That might be a frustration for them. And by you implementing them and teaching them on how to utilize this new system, now it's alleviating those additional steps that they're having to take. And it's making the work process a lot more efficient, less stressful, giving them a little bit of peace of mind. So really start looking at your systems and your processes. And again, always remember, ask the people who are the ones utilizing your systems. Hey, what are your pain points? What are your issues? They're the ones touching it every day. They're the ones pushing the buttons, sending the emails, answering the phone calls. So although you might already have an idea what system you're going to use, you definitely want to have people in that can say, okay, these are the biggest pain points we're seeing when we're utilizing these systems. And now you can take that information and now you can connect with different, you know, uh, uh, different um, systems out there and find which one best works and that can fit in helping automate you know, eliminate a lot of those issues. And then also improve the level of convenience and the working environment. So think about those different things, right? Think about those small adjustments. Hey, if you do have a brick and mortar space, you know, it could be simple things like adjusting the brick area and having an outdoor lunch sitting area. And to you, that might not be a big deal, but for some people, it's nice to be going, be able to go outside and eat lunch and they have like a little gazebo, a little area they can sit in. Some people like that. (laughs) I mean, simple things like that could go a long way. You might have three office locations. Well, you might recognize that you have team members who will benefit. Hey, I work at office location number three. Office location number two might work better for them. So why can't they go work there? 
And maybe office location number three doesn't even need to exist. That might need to be shut down. Simple things. And, and again, you know, let me, let me forgive me because I don't want to say simple because essentially you want to identify what works for you. These are just some suggestions. This, these are just some ideas that you can start to consider. But if you take anything away from this conversation, that one thing, one thing is have the conversation and ask your team members, what are your needs? Because that one question could go a long way. Just like I gave you that example about that consultant having that one interview. Those interviews with those individuals, those team members, was able to unlock why that company was having retention issues. So what conversation are you not having that could be that solution to that problem that you see, that you have? Or could be that piece of information that you need that can really help you Support your team members, help them identify what their needs are, and really start tapping into this human dignity side that is going to be so important, that's imperative and, and really important for a lot of people. Because again, individuals have really started to look at purpose really started to look at what do I value? And I want to make sure the things around me are in a level of alignment because I've made a commitment to myself, to my family, to all these different things. And I want to make sure everything is in alignment. And even though some individuals will still quit, still walk away from your company, it will still happen, but still do the work necessary to create a space that is attractive And that truly supports those that are pushing that mission and vision. Thank you guys for tuning into another episode. And if you know anybody that would benefit from this message, make sure you share it. If you have not left a review yet, make sure you do that as well. Because the more reviews I get, the more this message spreads. And as always, if you have a question, shoot me an email, info at AishaThomas.org. Or follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Thomas. You can DM me there or watch some of my YouTube series videos on team development, leadership development, and all that good stuff at the Miss Aisha. So all that information is in the show details. And I hope you guys have a great week.